on Main Street and Andes for some WIOX is supported by the generosity of our listeners and the following underwriters. O'Connell and Aronowitz, attorneys at law since 1925 for legal representation, committed to fair treatment for all, from family law to constitutional law, estate planning to criminal defense. O'Connell and Aronowitz, 518-462-5601 or oalaw.com. Ryle Sheridan Architects with offices in New York City and Delaware County focusing on environmentally friendly and sustainable design for residential, commercial, and institutional clients. Creating ultra-efficient, high-design projects, new construction additions and renovations from concept to completion, including contractor selection and construction supervision. Ryle Sheridan Architects, 646-809-4343, 646-809-4343. 4343 or email info at ryle dot com. Grand Gorge Fire Company number one, celebrating 125 years of community service with a full day of events on Saturday, August 27th, starting at 10 a.m., including a Grand Gorge townwide yard sale, a food truck rodeo, a parade, live music, and fireworks behind the Grand Gorge Civic Center. Everyone is welcome Saturday, August 27th in Grand Gorge. More information at 607-588-7547. 607-588-7547. This is Dan O'Connell, host of Monday Morning Music on WIOX Roxbury. I also manage underwriting for WIOX. And I'm an underwriter supporting WIOX, here to let you know that as a licensed New York State real estate salesperson, I help people sell their homes in Margaretville, Stamford, Hobart, Delhi, Bovina, Andes, Fleischmann's, Pine Hill, Hackettsville, Roxbury, and neighboring communities. Information on selling your home at 
Okay, you're listening to WIOX Community Radio Live and Local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable TV Channel 20 on the campus of SUNY Delhi at 107.5 FM worldwide at WIOXradio.org and on any mobile device radio FM app. This is from the forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Zane, how's it going? Good, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Today, uh, me, John, and Zara went out scouting for some ginseng. Any luck? Yeah. Found some. That's learned, cool. Yeah, I learned uh, quite a bit about what to look for. It's pretty interesting. No kidding. Yep. Looking for areas above uh, uh, deer brows elevation, like 1,800 to 2,300 feet. Um, you start to see plants that you normally wouldn't see, like things like blackberry we saw. Um, that was pretty interesting. Um, higher elevations, that shows you that deer aren't browsing that high. Um, and uh, looking under around logs, looking under uh, uh, crowns of trees that have fallen on the ground, places that deer couldn't get to, and uh, yeah, found my first one. Cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, people don't realize how prevalent american ginseng can be in the wild and cat in the catskills and uh apparently it grows in some of the highest prices per green pound in the world so who knew but uh well some people know but they're secretive about it and i don't really blame them um i wouldn't post where we find it uh you know except for that ginseng walk catskill forest association holds um you know you got to walk to find it but um it's not something not something i would publicize in the woods Right, it's in the woods. It's in the woods. There's yeah. plenty to learn, even if you don't find it. Plenty uh, signs and uh, things to look for. Why did ginseng uh, harvester, grower, whatever that told me about ten years ago? He said, in the winter when you see the frost level on the mountain, where that frost level starts and on up is where the most prevalent ginseng grows. Well. I know that's not completely true because it definitely grows below the frost line. Well, it does, but the most yeah. prevalent and oldest ones are above that is what yeah. he was claiming. But. I, I, he's probably right, generally speaking, because there are fewer deer on the frost line mm-hmm. and above. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, especially on north sides. But um, it, it would definitely grow at 1,000 at feet if it could. You know, and sometimes you do find it, but it's... There's more deer down the valleys, and not just poachers. But um, if you're just tuning in and listening to From the Force, tonight's topic is, well, with Gary Mead. Every third Wednesday, we talk to Gary, who's the uh, former owner of Fruitful Furnishing Sawmill and present owner of Gary Mead Gallery, and we're talking about old and first-growth trees tonight. So how's it going, Gary? It's going awesome. Uh, Things are doing great. I'm Getting my workshop up in New Kingston, we're siding it with actually five-quarter hardwood. And using, uh, well, the, the mixed species are ash and hard and soft maple and uh, hickory. And they're the main species. We started out thinking we were going to nail it up, and kiln-dried hardwood doesn't nail that, especially five-quarter. It doesn't like to be nailed, so we ended up... Uh, pre-drilling it and putting three-inch screws in it to hold it on. So it's making a very sturdy building. 
Yeah. And I'm um, happy with it. We got the frame up and the windows, you know, all yeah, they aren't in, but the, you know, we got them all framed out and and we got the upper deck on the second story. The the whole deck has been subfloors down, and now we're sheathing it. We got mine about 35, 40 feet of sheathing done, and you know it's 44 by 30. So there's uh, you know I want to get the roof on by this winter, and I I think I have a shot at it. <coughs> But anyway, old growth trees. My uh, what inspired this was um, my youngest went to California to see a friend of his, and uh, he went about five years ago too. And he keeps telling me, "Dad, you got to get out there and see these trees." But see, <clears throat> I travel in my mind, and you know, on uh, uh, pictures and and like that. And it's not it's not the same as standing at the base of a you know, 2,800-year-old tree, uh, getting a picture of it. And, you know, Mitch was taking pictures and sent them to me. He said, you know, that that first limb on, I think it, it was the general he was he went to see in Yosemite, and he said that first limb on that is seven feet in diameter. And you can't tell that from looking at the picture. But, you know, I just got to get out there and, and you know, get all goosebumpy and you know frilly about it and i do want to see it personally you know these these old growth but you know the the catskill mountains are you know this is where i live and this is where i play and this is where i work so it's uh it's more important to me uh that i know about what's here than what's you know around the world and and, and other places, but it's still very interesting that, and I mean, there's trees out there that are four to six thousand years old, and you know that's that's a long lifespan, and uh, it's uh, it, it just amazes me because once I decided to do the show, I started going online and figuring, you know, googling this and that, and and looking it up, and I mean, there's trees, and they're they're mostly olive trees, and and you know different types of pine that are are uh, the oldest trees. Hardwoods just don't have that longevity of thousands of years. I mean, um, you know, I read that the oldest tree in the and in, in uh, New York State is um, hard maple. It's 400 years old. It didn't say where it was, but. You know that might be another like secretive thing with ginseng because you know some moron might go cut it and <laughs> try to sell it. So you know we get, we always have to be careful of that. But uh, anyway, it's a uh, uh, art hardwoods here. Anywhere from you know I mean, an old tree is a hundred to three hundred years old, and you know. They might average 150 or so, but they have to have good, you know, terrain, and they, and everything has to be wonderful about it. And, you know, trees are kind of like humans. If you're raised in a bad environment, <clears throat> you don't do well. Uh, and, you know, if you're raised by, you know, in a, an environment that's healthy and, and happy, you become a much better person about the way you think and the way you navigate your life but if you you know if you're under stress a lot and you have uh, you know just stress and and things just are are not normal well i don't know what to call normal but you know when, when when kids 
experience hardship. Trees are the same way. They, I mean, I have them come in. I did a <clears throat> show about kiln drying a few weeks back and or a couple of months ago, and that that was all about, you know, when a tree grows under stress, it has stress, and you know, when you when you when you harvest it. It, it, it's not going to lose that stress and, it, and it's life on this planet up you know while it was growing is what dictates what's coming out of it and the uh, uh, when foresters go out and they mark trees they go to a, a, a place in the forest where there's a lot of trees there's not a lot of traffic there's not a lot of uh, uh, you know, houses, and there's not a lot of activity around there. So the tree grows, and there's no stress. It just grows every day, and, you know, it. Uh, every day is a, is a wonderful day in the tree's life. So that's where we get the best select and better hardwoods yeah. and softwoods as well. And um, I mean, I think the maybe the only one that doesn't do well on the top of a mountain would be hemlock. That doesn't do well. Uh, no, no, not as far as lumber is concerned because, well, sugar maple doesn't. Don't like top of mountains. Not enough calcium up there, and that's usually where you get the most uh, forest tent caterpillar damage and everything else. Well, in my experience, as you know, having the sawmill, when I had hemlock come in that had shake in it, and I still to this day don't know why a logger, an experienced logger, would bring hemlock. To a mill, think and thinking that you know. I mean, I got a few loads in, and, and I'd look at and you look at the ends. And but what happens to? And I asked him. I said, "Where did you get these trees? Well, if they come from the top of a mountain, what happens to hemlock? Is those high velocity winds in the winter or summer, you know, storms? The tree twists because the the uh, well, what makes that happen is is the way that the limbs and and the needles, or if you want to call them leaves, are they are very tight and they they don't uh, the wind doesn't pass through them easy. So it 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 builds up around them and it twists the tree and the growth rings separate, and that's what's makes shake. And, you know, when you cut this tree down and you look at the end of it, I mean, you can actually see the separation in, in the growth rings. And, I mean, it's useless for lumber. You, you know, I mean, you can take a 16-foot log and you'd be lucky if you get three-foot, you know, clear pieces out of it here and there as you're sawing it. And, you know, when you saw a slab off on the table and, you know, hits a table, it just, you know, comes into a, a bunch of different pieces. But... You know, the hemlock that's grown in a valley, that doesn't happen to. It's only mountain grown. But uh, there are a lot of trees that, but when you look at our mountains, the tallest trees that are sticking up above all the hardwoods are always the softwoods or the conifers. And, you know, spruce and hemlock and, and that. But, you know, mountaintop hemlock is really not, uh, I mean, it, it the wind just uh, separates the growth rings. That's the only tree I, I know of that that that'll happen to. But so for those trees to, uh, so those trees, pines, hemlocks, those are very uh, like drought intolerant trees. So to get real old, to get real big, they need a constant 
supply right. of moisture of water. Well, years ago when I, I don't remember what show it was, but we did hemlock a few times. And I read this one uh, uh, about hemlocks that this one tree, I think it was a hemlock tree, it was a, a, a it, it was sprouted and it waited for a hardwood forest. It didn't die under the canopy, but it didn't grow either. It it stayed alive till that uh, hardwood forest died and it opened up to the conifers. Sounds like hemlock. That's what hemlock does. It seems to grow like Dr. Michael Kudish claims, and I and I totally can verify this. It seems to grow underneath 80-year-old-plus oak trees right and wait for them to die and um then hemlock has its way but um its whole thing is patience yeah however you know it's too bad the hemlock a lot of them are dying from from woolly adelgid or elongate hemlock scale but yeah that sounds like hemlock yeah it can be um you know a few inches in diameter and 50 years old though i know that well this one little tree i was talking about was uh, a 10 foot tall and it was 60 years old and you know, it was only four inches in diameter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, after that, it was just, you know, all gung-ho because it survived it. There's, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's pitch pines on the Shangam Ridge in Ulster County that are, uh, this says right here, I'm looking at it, um, Pinus Regida, which is pitch pine, 398 years old in Minnewaska State Park. <clears throat> and I remember some of those trees are, you know, they're less than eight inches in diameter and maybe 10 foot tall. Yeah. Growing like the dwarf pitch pine, and they'll be from the 1800s, 1700s, a lot of them. Yeah, and the growth rings are so small, you need a magnifying glass or actually a microscope, some of them, to, yeah. to, to be able to, to, to see them. Especially these trees that are, you know, uh, I mean, there's a 2,800-year-old tree that, you know, they it's uh, 35 feet tall and, you know, 18 inches in diameter and it's 2800 years old and you know they do core samples on trees i guess it doesn't hurt them but you know i i did a lot of research the past week where they drill through and they take a like a it's about a half inch diameter tube that drills into it and they 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 pull this core sample out and yeah and uh, uh you know figure out how old this these trees are but you know they're not when you're when you're if you go google you know old trees and you look at them they're they're really not the healthiest looking trees i mean you know half of them are dead and as long as they got one live limb on them they're 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 still alive but you know that some trees they will if that one piece of live limb on it will keep the rest of the tree viable and keep it from rotting and falling away which I, reading that was very interesting too. But yeah, they're usually not like the big, tall, majestic uh, trees that you imagine when you think of ancient trees. They're no, just you surviving. Think about, they're just clinging on. Yeah, for life. And, and that's well, like the balsams on top of some of these mountains, are six, eight inches at best in diameter, and you know the the frost and the wind it, they, they grow really short, but. You know, some of these trees are a couple hundred years old, and they just, uh, you know, they just don't die. They they just hang out and 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 uh, you know live, which is it's pretty incredible. And 
I mean, you can never underestimate nature. <clears throat> what what it provides for us and, and, and just the magic of it is, I mean, every day I wake up and I thank the moon and stars for everything around me because it's it's such a wonderful planet we live on. And, and uh, you know, we... <clears throat> I just hope people would uh, maybe start more respecting. Do you think we, people don't like nature, Gary? I don't think people realize nature. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with like or dislike. I think that <laughs> if people aren't educated enough about it to understand it, so they don't think of it. So, you know, if something isn't talked about, you don't think about it. And, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, people that are just, they just don't know. I mean, well, why would they? It's, they don't make their living from, from the woods like you do. Why would they? Well, I mean, when you don't, when that's not what you do every day and you have no incentive to, it's harder for people to be aware of those things, you know? You know, just to, just to be a little more empathetic towards people who aren't involved in their forest or, or making a living, you know, that, it's not in their purview to know. Well, you just take it on as as a as a life course, and you know I don't make a living off of, you know I stay healthy by harvesting stuff off the, having a garden and all that, but I don't make a living at that. I'm, uh, you know, I barely make a living what I do when I'm making a living, and it's it's like my goal isn't to become some wealthy person my goal is to leave the planet better than i found it or as good as i found it and it has nothing to do with money I'm, I, it's know. not about money it's not what i mean i mean you know well, it's, it's more about where you put your time and how you make your living right it's not just about being paid it's it's where you put your time right you know that's part of the economy as well your job whether you make much money or not at it is where you put your time right you know yeah, that and and uh, you know, people I think are, most people do care. I really well, I think do. They from care, my from but, my perspective, but, but they don't have a good understanding about it. Well, yeah, so, and that's what I'm saying. And yeah, that's what's great about the forest, uh, uh, Catskill Forest, and and all that that they do, and why I support it so uh, for so long, and and you know, it's deep in my heart because you know when i first started doing the show one of the most amazing things that i heard come out of ryan's mouth was cut the right tree i mean you can't just you have to you know but you have to be kind of educated to know what the right tree is and uh you know i read a story this week about some guy that went out and he was just logging this property and he had no idea and he cut this uh you know 3600 year old tree down and he didn't know i mean mm. i mean he felt horrible after doing it and <laughs> finding out it was uh you know when he said it hit the ground and he looked at the i forget the guy's name and it doesn't really matter but you know he saw the growth rings and you know he said you know i had to sit down i almost i lost my breath and i felt like i was going to pass out because i just took this you know, and then he went and had a core sample done, and he said every step of the way for, when I after I got this tree it got worse for me. And uh, you know what kind of tree it was? Uh, it was a pine. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. a it was a, a pine, and it was actually in uh, uh, 
uh, I think it was in Brazil. Hmm. And uh, yeah. but anyway, it's uh, I mean it's all about just paying attention and and learning and and I mean our lives are so busy and it's really it, it's it is tough to sit down and 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 look at stuff that you know normally wouldn't look at and i mean we have busy busy lives and it's uh i think if we just maybe take a few minutes and i mean who doesn't come and look at our mountains and think they're absolutely in awe over it and you know i go by you know these huge trees and you know they're five foot in diameter four foot in diameter and a hundred plus feet tall and you know it's to me they're ancient trees but you know some of these sycamores and and cottonwoods and and uh tulip or you know they're only 75 125 years old i'm saying only that's a that's a good long lifespan for, yeah. for a tree but you know uh oldest trees around i mean mostly when you find an old tree around it's like 130 yeah you know and that's about the very late 1800s and that totally makes sense in the catskills because peak farm peak farming occurred in the late 1800s 1890s 1885 or so so um coincidentally he's the host next hoppy quick but i remember i cored one of his pitch pine trees years ago Mm -hmm. and um pitch pine can tell you a lot i kind of figure is the oldest tree among in his forest because it it requires a lot of sunlight and fire usually gets it by fire and all the trees are maple all these mesic kind of shade tolerant trees growing around it so i cored this tree Less than maybe 18 inches in diameter. Not a big tree. Mm-hmm. It was tall. Not like the ones up on the mountain that are dwarfed because it's in a good site right. in comparison. It was 130 years old. Yeah. So, you know, whatever was going on in the 1880s, 1890s, is a lot different landscape then. But they can you tell the, the what the weather was when they core, do core samples and, you know, see when they had droughts, whether there was a volcano that erupted and... I mean, they they find all this stuff out from, uh, and it's it just amazes me that, you know, we're so intelligent, and but uh, on the other hand, maybe not so much. So uh, we're not as powerful or <clears throat> as uh, important as nature. Nature and Mother Nature and Father Time are the most two powerful things on the planet because nature will not end and time will never run out and you know when 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 we go up against those and you know we we might you know maybe try to manipulate something or or make something that is uh you know man-made which you think is better it's it's really it's not better you're not going to find anything more powerful than that and just the fact that a tree because I like trees. I mean, I don't like trees. I love trees. And whether it's a small little, you know, a hackberry or a, 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 all the plants and 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 uh, come from a tiny little seed. That's a. a it, it just, for instance, I plant my garden and I take this tiny little seed. I take with tweezers and I put it in this thing and. Now I have tomato plants that are, you know, seven foot plus tall, and and it started from this tiny little seed, seed, you know, a few months ago. But, you know, they don't grow 
trees don't grow that fast, but and trees communicate through their roots. And so when they're being compromised, they will get a signal from another tree through the root system and you know, like if they're being invaded by something, this, I mean, I, I was, you know, when I read about this a few years ago, I thought, well, geez, I hope maybe the ashes will kind of figure out how to get rid of this this borer. But, I mean, they were communicating, but. Well, we don't know really how they communicate, though. No, we don't know. I mean, I know that guy wrote that book, The Hidden Life of Trees, but mm-hmm. trees, they don't, we don't know that much. I mean, that's between beech trees he wrote about, I guess, in that book. But between species and, and even, I mean, it's tough. Yeah. There's so much we don't know about tree roots. And that's the beauty of it. And that's the beauty. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I mean, no. we just don't really know. Um, what's cool to me about trees is their perennial nature. Um, the things you plant in a garden are annuals for the most part. And, you know, you dig them up and they're gone. But these trees, they, every scar, every blemish is, is in its life forever. Right. Yeah. You know, like. If someone did a burn 100 years ago, there'll be a fire scar in its growth rings. If it was dry, if it was wet, yeah. if someone tapped that tree 40 years ago, you know, it'll be there. They and, have, and they have to bear that. They have a know? story, yeah. Yeah. But the roots are totally, uh, they're mysterious. And I, I, you know, I got into roots a few years ago, and, you know, they're so, because you look at this, I see some trees that are, you know, like three foot in diameter 30 inches in diameter and they're leaning like on a you know like a 20 or 25 degree angle you know along a river or something and they'll stay like that for like 20 some years and 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 you know the weight that that, that those roots are supporting it just baffles my mind that you know they're able to hold on i mean can you imagine catapulting something that heavy on a 25 degree angle no, and then the tree reacts by having building more tension wood on one side of the tree to hold it up. Right. Which is really crazy. And sending roots out into, you know, mm-hmm. firm ground where they can, you know, hold themselves. But, you know, the uh, but roots, you know, as far as making uh, all the lights fixtures in my house are going to be made from tree tree roots. And, you know, when they excavate and do all that, I'm, I'm always running around the river and... and uh, you know, harvesting roots and all the trees I had to excavate on my property to, uh, you know, I went up with my loader and I took one fork off and I dug it in the ground and I uprooted them and, you know, I saved the root balls and now they're just up there and, you know, I got to power wash and clean them off, but, you know, all the lights in my house are going to be chandeliers get- from roots. I was going to ask you what you mean by uh, light fixtures. Yeah, that makes a lot, that's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So. You're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest tonight's topic is old and first growth trees with Gary Mead. I don't know if we'll get into any of that tonight. Gary wants to talk about roots. Uh but yeah, maybe we won't get into first growth. I don't know. We'll see. Um but definitely old trees. And uh, I don't know if you want to talk about more internationally. I have a lot of information here in the Catskills and also um nationally. Well, I think we'll today more locally than nationally is uh, for tonight yeah. anyway. I mean, this we only have an hour, and it's. Uh, I mean, we could sit and talk about this for the next six hours and not even begin to get into it a little bit. What about the wood? I mean, what, at the sawmill, how much do you deal with old trees? I mean, can you tell or how, how do they behave old? differently? 
Yeah. Well, you can um, actually old the older trees are much more stable if they have had a a rough life. Yeah. And you know, you know, like I was saying before, if if it was grown in a hostile environment, it's gonna, not going to do well because it, it, trees get stressed. And but you get these trees that grow in. You know, I, uh, you know, probably some of the nicest lumber I ever got was four miles, you know, off of Route 28 up into Dry Brook, and and uh, I, it, uh, you know, the hard maples and and the uh, uh, hard and soft maple and hickory, and there there was a little uh, pig nut, but there wasn't very much up in there. But you know, I got a couple of them in an ash and. And I mean the the lumber was it was beautiful and it was stable and it was grown in an environment where you know there weren't people there weren't houses there weren't you know energy around them the only energy they had was you know just peaceful everyday life and the growth yeah. rings are tighter and when you grow trees in a forest you know they call the the bowl is from the ground to the first limb. And the bowls on some of these are, you know, 30 feet up. You know, you get, you know, three 10-foot logs before the first limb starts. And, uh, I mean, uh, it was, uh, you know, most of the time I didn't get the the butt log of these trees because I, I run low grade all the time and, you know, uh, you know, for the business I was in. You know, but I would go to the site and I'd look at my low grade pile and I'd always checked out the, the you know the stuff that was going to the mills to make flooring and and paneling and all that stuff. But it's uh, uh, just to notice the 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 growth rings on them. They they were they were tight and and they were just more more uh, uh, you could they were closer together and and you could just tell that it was more sound lumber. And They're probably growing on a good site, well drained, not too wet, yeah. not too dry, out of the wind, maybe in a cove or a clove or a hollow, whatever you want to call it. Not too high in elevation, adequate moisture. You know, humans being next to humans won't, I don't think, bother them um, unless they're being compacted, their roots. Right. Yeah. You know, they don't and care if road, You know, you dig a road yeah. going up through and, you know, disrupt some of the roots. That stresses them out. But anything on your property that grows out in the woods and, you know, it's actually uh, the undergrowth if you keep kind of trimmed and, and uh, you know, clear out the dead stuff and the disease stuff, you know, you'll have a healthier forest. And that's we're going right back to cut the right tree. And it's, uh, I mean, we need, we need trees and trees need us for the most part. But... What's the oldest tree you've ever encountered? And, as far as you know, you know, as far as I know, and come, I, we, we cut a hemlock. We had a hemlock come in that uh, had 145 rings on it. It was about uh, 42 inch in diameter, and I thought that was pretty impressive. And I took a slab off it, and my Mitch, my son, teaches history and new pulse, and I gave him a cookie from it. And he took that cookie, and he went back from, you know, the heart right up through and, and put little pins in it with, you know, 
this is what happened this year and, and you know from you know 145 years up to present day and you know those growth rings are pretty tight and that, that tree grew in a, in a happy place but you know because when I got it in I said oh man we need to chainsaw mill to get this one Mitch it's too big for my mill and you know he come over and he goes oh my god dad look at this and you know we counted the growth rings and you know it was 145 years old and i thought that was pretty cool so it probably started growing just after the civil war yeah so yeah when he Where, whereabouts was that if you don't mind that saying. was in uh actually in uh margaretville yeah yeah but like um how high in elevation whereabout uh this was up in uh, uh uh, Hubble Hill. Hubble Hill? Yep. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people didn't come home from the Civil War. There was a lot of farm abandonment yep. in the 1870s from that wave, you know? Yeah. A lot of state land, I find, was abandoned from that era, you know, because it's higher up elevation. There's those kind of hard scrabble hill farms that were yep. higher in elevation, not doing so well, and kind of the first wave of abandonment before the large wave in the late 1800s, you know, in the very late 1800s, early 1900s. Well, most of our virgin trees in the mountains here were loggers couldn't get to them. They were steep inclines and, you know, they were, unless you're going to uh, log it with a helicopter and nobody can afford to do that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's where most of the, the old growth is it's it's uh they are not been touched and not that you know uh cutting some trees isn't uh, the worst thing in the world but you know we got to know you know how to navigate and just to keep a healthy environment it's it's uh and it's not easy it's it's sophisticated and you know it's you it really requires a lot of deep thought and you know what's the best thing to do because once you cut a tree well in my world once you cut a tree it gets another life but you know most people that you know Mitch does a lot of tree clearing and these people just say you know just throw it over the bank and you know they just want to open up their view or whatever and they just leave it there to rot that to me is is kind of uh, not a, a good practice but you know, it's uh, it's again just a misunderstanding of of, of the whole you know uh, tree routine. So, and <clears throat> if you're in for the wood, yeah. Well, it depends you, on the tree. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to cut some trees to get some more sunlight. We're des- in desperation for more sunlight and younger trees. No. But, younger plants but we have uh <clears throat> we have more trees now than we had in 1800s oh yeah and uh it's uh you know uh, there's a, a a tree huggers site i went on and and uh you know that was one of the first comments and thing is you know we have more trees now than we had in the 1800s so you know uh and What's fascinating about them is they they just grow. You don't have to plant them. You don't have to cultivate them, and and they just they're out there and and they grow. And that amazes me. You know, that's a part of nature that really uh, sets me back on my heels. And you know, we can walk the forest and all this vegetation and stuff that grows out there. And and you know, these 
they're 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 put there by nature and and just the, you know the whole you know round, going round and round and and it's it's just a natural thing it is it, it always uh you know really inspired me that you know nature is that powerful and that that awesome and you know if we embrace it we can only get good stuff from it and that's uh uh that's a really awesome thing that you know we have to look forward to every day when we get up and you know we're going through a drought now so you know these older growth trees when they do core samples they're going to say 2022 is the summer of 2022 we had a drought we're not quite i don't think in the i know down by you ryan they they're 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 in the drought i think they've actually labeled it a drought well, into we're almost there well, i'm not any different than here probably on the moisture but maybe in kingston where they're taking off of a reservoir mm-hmm. yeah maybe and i think kingston just regu- uh put a regulation in for uh water usage yeah March. i was just on uh, google maps the other day and i looked over at the ashokan reservoir and yeah. they updated it and you can see how low the uh, reservoir dropped it's yeah. pretty striking well, it's well, one not, basin's yeah, one basin's a holding, and, and the other one they uh, will feed that basin to the uh, east. Mm-hmm. So the one on the on the west side of the bridge there, that'll be strikingly low. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is, and but you know, it happens. You know, 2016 was pretty dry too. Yeah. Well, I can remember on the, growing up on the farm, a, the Platykill stream. I mean, there were, I mean, the water was running underground, but there were sections of the river, you know, that Platykill stream where it was just for a quarter of a mile. It was just, you know, the rocks. Yeah. You know, those, uh, and, and there'd be pools and fish lived in them and they were able to survive because the water was still running under the ground. Yeah. And, uh, hmm. but I haven't <clears throat> seen it this dry in. I think it's a little dry, and it wasn't 2016 at this point. Yeah. It almost rained today. <laughs> almost. <laughs> I have to water my trees. I have to water my garden, and it's yeah. you know becoming a little bit. Uh, but you know my blackberries, I need they, they need water. But anyway, if you're just tuning in, listen to from the forest, and we're talking about old growth trees with Gary Mead tonight. You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one, but I know that you've got your reasons. These things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow. Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy. She'll beat you if she's able Nor the queen of hearts Is always your best bet Now it seems to me Some fine things Have been laid upon your table 
But you only want the things that you can't get Desperado Oh, you ain't getting no younger Your pain and your hunger They're driving you home And freedom, oh freedom Well, that's just some people talking Your prison is walking Through this world all alone And don't your feet get cold in the wintertime The sky won't snow, the sun won't shine It's hard to tell the nighttime from the day Ain't it funny how the feeling goes away? Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Come down from your fences and open the gate. It may be raining. But there's a rainbow above you You better let somebody love you You better let somebody love you You better let somebody love you Before it's too Cash. Uh, this is from the forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talking about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Tonight's topic is old and first-growth trees with Gary Mead, although I got a feeling we're going to have to continue this conversation uh, next week and just talk about deciphering the difference between old and first-growth trees. We didn't really get to that. But um, I just want to say really quick here, um, I found this thing on the Internet. I'll just go through the first five to ten oldest trees in the eastern United States. And the oldest tree, any any guesses, Zane? Eastern United States. East of the Mississippi. Well, I've kind of read ahead, but I don't want to ruin it. Is it, is it a hardwood tree? No. No, okay. No. Nope. Maybe I read the wrong. No, none of the hardwoods are in the top five. Um, it's Thuja occidentalis. Ah. It's white cedar. Northern White Sea. 1,653 years old, and that is in Ontario, Canada. Then you have bald cypress after that, um, 1,622 years old in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And this one really surprised me. Growing from 940 years old is an eastern red cedar. That shocks me in West Virginia because that's a pioneer tree. Yeah. I mean, that tree is all over the place in the Hudson Valley growing in abandoned farm fields and. uh Usually gets shaded out in less than 50, 65 years old. Um, then you have black gum, Nissa sylvatica, growing in those swamps. New Hampshire, 679 years old. Suga canadensis, eastern hemlock, 555 years old in Pennsylvania. That's probably one of our older trees in the Catskill Mountains. Um, there's one that's unconfirmed in Pennsylvania, I read, for 800 years old. Hmm. And then there's yellow poplar. 509 years old in Smoky Mountains. Really? Red Pine, 500 years old, Ontario, Canada again. And then we get into some of the hardwoods. White Oak, 464 years old, Virginia. 
Um, Red Spruce, 445 years old, and that's in Canada. You have Chestnut Oak, 427 years old, New Jersey. And I'll just skip down to Black Birch, which is in New Paltz, 361 years old. Pinus Regida, which is pitch pine, almost 400 years old in Minnewaska. you got to take these with a grain of salt. Not these numbers necessarily, but, you know, you start seeing the same names on here, and it's because someone's looking. Right. Like, Minnewaska comes up twice. Why? Because people are coring in, in Minnewaska. Right. They're not coring on some side slope. In Catskill Mountains, Slide I've seen mountain. yeah, I've seen some old hemlock stands on the side of. I'm not even gonna say where because I don't want to see, you know, it go viral. They're old. They have to be because yeah. where they're growing is a tough site. It's a little protected. It's high up in elevation, and these hemlocks are you know over 50 inches in diameter. It gets to a certain diameter, and I don't know how to ocular. Yeah, <laughs> you know, can't uh, hug it anymore. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I'm like, yeah, it's big, you know. Yeah. But, but um, you know, and I've I've yeah. traveled these mountains my whole life, and you know, I I know I've seen trees, and when I get there's they have a, you know a, a spiritual kind of a, a karma about them that when you get up to them, you can actually feel it and 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 feel that you know the oldness uh, or, or the the vibes they have and, and the spiritual uh, value that they have, it just comes through, and, and I'm able to communicate with it somewhat. I mean, uh, the mother and child, I don't, you know, that was a 56-inch diameter uh, hollow hemlock. Now, how could I know how old that was? But I had I communicated with this hollow log for, you know, quite a few years, and you know, and she's like left the gallery about three months ago, and you know we we still. But that was the one tree that I dealt with that actually dictated everything that happened to it, which was really phenomenal. There wasn't another uh, piece of wood that went through my my hands, and uh, what I did with it that I communicated more clearly with, and. You know, for instance, uh, seven years ago, uh, uh, an Asian lady wanted to buy it and bring it over to China and offered me good money for it, and it, it, it didn't want to go there. So, you know, it, it communicated with me and, like, told me that. So you know, it wasn't about the money. It was about, you know, this tree didn't want to go there, but what... The monumental thing would happen with this tree. I, this guy come in the gallery, and this tree picked the owner because uh, we Googled it, or by some Mitch Googled from where the tree grew, and the house it went in is eight miles from where the tree grew. It's now in a home in the mountains, and that's where that tree wanted to go. <laughs> and it's amazing that it... it because, you know, it was the most expensive piece in my gallery, and it, it just, you know, this guy walked in, and boom, that tree just picked them to, to be their owner, and, you know, it, it's amazing. And, you know, I talked, I wrote, you know, two pieces about this tree, and you know, like I say, but the, the oldness of trees, when I stand next to them, I get goosebumps, and, and you can feel the you know everything that they live through and all the, the different things and you got to respect age 
and we, you know, we respect our elders, and it's, you know, I'm always, you know, sitting down with these, you know, older people, and I, I talk to them all the time because they have so much education, and, and I'm always writing stuff down that they're saying and, and documenting and saying, you know, geez, this really happened, and, and you know, this, when these people live these things, and, you know, these are things that are going to be soon forgotten if they're not, you know, documented and passed on, <clears throat> like the sap snow and all that kind of stuff. But it's, uh, you know, old trees are, they have a, a, a very spiritual manner about them, and, you know, it, it's, uh, they've been in the same place for a long time. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm very inspired by, uh, you know, what happens in the mountains here. And, you know, like Ryan was saying, I'm, I'm sure there's trees that are older than what have been documented. But, you know, Minnewaska is one of those places where, you know, thousands of people a year go through. And, you know, the top of some of these mountains here, you know, Cecil's Mountain in New Kingston, I'm, you know, I'm sure none of the core samples have been taken out of those trees. Yeah, I mean, well, Minnewaska has the Smileys, and they do a lot of research. Right, yeah. Um, uh, they've been doing a lot of research since the 1800s there. But I, I'm looking at the list as you're talking, and there's an Acer rubrum red maple. It's just 300 years old, Catskill Mountains, New York. But I remember reading 20 years ago that this that they were in the Palmagat of the Shangam Ridge, and there was a red maple that's 330 years old. Yeah. On this list, this is the oldest one, though, at 300. You know what I mean? So, so it's that's pretty well, old it's for red down, maple. But, but it's it, it's actually extremely old for a red maple. Yeah. And you know, it must have been one happy tree. That's all I can tell you. The oldest sugar maple on this list is 315 years old in North Central Maine. There's got to be some ones older than that. Well, I've read about one that was 400 years old in Pennsylvania. But. I'm sure there is. Again, there's no really, you know, how these things are recorded is, um, right. it's all sporadic, you know. Yeah. It's but it's, yeah. But you know, for the most part, we don't have 3,000-year-old trees in our Catskill Mountain. No, but, you know, but the other thing is uh, people kind of, they confuse size with age, and that's not, as we talked about before, it's not true at all sometimes. Um, I mean, I remember seeing some of these red oaks falling down on the forest preserve, and the trail crew went through and cleared them, and I got to really count the rings, and you know, like 80. 150 years old, yeah. some of these, these red oaks. Nothing big. Yeah. yeah, 30 inches if they were really big. Yeah. Most of them were in the 20-inch, 20, 20, 24, 28-inch class. Yeah. Old. Pretty old. But, you, you know, then down, you know, uh, some of the, you know, the other trees like the sycamore, they grow fast, and cottonwoods and, you know, the tulips and, you know, they might be four, 36 to 48 inches in diameter, and they're only 80 years old, 90 years old. Yeah, it depends on the site. I remember I was with a forester. He'd been a forester 30 years, and we both were looking at trees 18 inches, red oaks down in Bethel, I remember. And he was talking about the silvics of it, and all of a sudden we looked at a, a down one that the logger recently felled, and we're like, he's like, oh, crap. These trees are 90 to 110 years old. Uh, I don't know about the silvics on this. <laughs> Meaning like they should have been cut a while ago. Right. Because yeah. they had peaked out a long time ago. They're getting shaded out by maple and everything. Yeah. But believe it or not, guys, um, show's over. We got 30 seconds left. And uh, 
Thanks for coming on tonight, Gary. Well, you're welcome. It's always my pleasure, and, uh, you know, uh, we'll talk about, I think, Burl's next oh, show. Yeah, and up <laughs> next is uh, Hoppy Quick. What's the name of the show again, Zane? Catskill People. All right. Stay tuned, and uh, see you next week. Peace, everybody. Good night. All right. The neon lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. Then the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in. A dozen faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway, and the bottle was his friend. And the old man stumbled in from the forest. Up a dark and dingy staircase, the old man made his way. His ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay And he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way Getting lost like a fool in the forest And as he lay there sleeping a vision did appear Upon his mantle shining the face of one so dear Who'd loved him in the springtime of a long forgotten year When the wildflowers did bloom in the forest She touched his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name and then he heard the joyful sound of children at their games In an old house on a hillside in some forgotten town Where the river runs down from the forest Come home from the forest.